Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. A reset of the prophetic movement is upon us. The second wave of prophets is rising in this hour. We stand at the edge of a new era in the prophetic. We're gathering the international prophetic community at the Global Prophetic Center, a hub for prophetic training, prophetic labs, summits, networks, and lighthouses. It's time for prophets to go deeper. It's time for seers to soar. It's time for prophetic voices to rise up and decree what says the Spirit of God with accuracy that causes the world to pay attention. The Global Prophetic Center offers proven prophetic systems and structures to equip you to walk worthy of your calling and to prophesy with precision, boldness, diplomacy, and wisdom. Get hands-on training and mentoring in a safe environment that breeds true prophetic community and learning. Receive impartation and activation. Sharpen your gift and avoid prophetic pitfalls. Get commissioned. Get networked. Get sent out with the word of the Lord in your mouth and the confidence to release it. Begin your journey today by applying at globalpropheticcenter.com. Hey! God bless you, uh, the Lord's favor, grace, and blessing uh, be upon all of you in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you today about confronting the orphan spirit, the overzealous uh, orphan, orphan spirit. I'm going to share with you some mistakes that how in the early days, how I prophesied and I messed up and it wasn't from God and how I overcame that, you know, they'll kind of hopefully get into that, you know, um, there's been four or five times where I prophesied and it wasn't from the Lord. I really thought it was. This was in the early 90s. I want to talk to you a little bit today about that, a little bit, you know, of how to maybe recover when you genuinely think something is of God and is not of God. How do you, uh, how do you bounce back from that? So I've made some mistakes throughout the years. Hindsight, it's a given. We're all growing in grace. We're all uh, we're all growing in grace, all right? Um, you know, but um, when I look back um, at the early years of my Christianity, I have, I have found uh, an underlying theme of why a lot of Christians, uh, a lot of Christians uh, like me, um, end up making big, humongous errors in the name of the Lord. And what I have found is there's a difference between someone being false and someone being in error. Huge difference. False implies intentional deception. Most Christians are not intending to deceive. Their heart is in the right place. Um, except what they're saying, supposedly from the Lord, it's not coming from the Lord. It's not coming from the Lord. It's coming uh, from their own theological worldview. It's coming from their own cultural uh, bias, biases of how they understand church and a bunch of stuff like that, you know. Um, and what I have found is that there's a humongous difference between 
um, someone intentionally deceiving people and someone who just made a mistake because they haven't been trained, right? They just haven't been trained. And when I look back uh, throughout the years, um, and, and let me just say this, as a Christian, even with many years later, we're still going to be making those mistakes. Let me give you an example of one or two mistakes that were made in this pandemic. There were some prophets that were saying that the pandemic is going to leave by Passover. Seasoned prophets, it didn't leave. Then there was others that said by the end of June, the coronavirus is going to go. At the end of June, the coronavirus spiked. It's still here. Does that imply that they, does that mean that they are false? No. It just means that they're human. They're human. Okay, now watch this. That's not what I want to talk about today is. Um, now watch this. Here's what I have found causes many of those errors. The lack of a spiritual father, the lack of proper covering, and the lack of personal relationship with your pastors or your church leaders. If you're a person that's given to introversion, you're an introvert and you're not a person that's into relationships, well, guess what? Um, Christianity doesn't stop because you have no friends. You just, it keeps going. So you still got to preach. You still got to prophesy. You still got to work your gift. And here's what I have found is, is that 98% of the people saying this stuff uh, that is in error, not false, false prophecy and false prophet, that's a whole other topic, are well-meaning Christians who are alone and lonely and have never had anyone validate them. They don't have anyone hold, not, uh, not holding them accountable because if you're under a pastor, they're holding you accountable, but they haven't had anyone validating them. They don't have anyone um, authenticating them, confirming them, affirming them. Um, and a lot of times these Christians affirm themselves by sensational random acts of obedience trying to show God how much they love him, but haven't understood about resting in the efficacy of Christ's work on the cross and entered into his Sabbath rest. So what I have found is at the heart of overzealous Christian is an orphan spirit. It's an orphan spirit. It's, let me tell you something, when you know that God loves you, you don't have to perform. When you know, watch this, when you know that God loves you, when you know that nothing affects your salvation in him, then you don't feel like you must prophesy. You'll be able to say, you know what, now is not the time to say that, even though I feel the Lord telling me to say this, even though I'm sensing something, now is not the time. When you rest in the grace of Christ, timing is important for you and you don't feel like you're in sin because you didn't say something. You could go home respectfully saying, I'm sensing the Lord telling me to say something. You know what, Lord, let me saturate this in prayer. Lord, what do you want me to say? You know, and then you get, even though you got the unction, you're able to really work on the timing, context, 
you know, you know what? Now might not be the time to say that because if not, it's going to embarrass this pastor and God, is, God, I don't want to embarrass them. You know what? I'll call them later and give them the word of the Lord. You're able to kind of work. You're able to work with uh, self-control and God can do great things. But what I have found is when a Christian has an orphan spirit, zeal becomes their spiritual father. Zealousness. You know what I'm saying? Zealousness becomes uh, their spiritual father and rules and regulation or holiness becomes their covenant. So they find their, or rather their validation. So they find their validation in the things that they do as opposed to what Christ did for them. Now, this is a heavy thing. Now, what I'm saying is absolutely essential uh, because... Um, what I have found is when a Christian or when believers don't have a healthy spiritual self-esteem and they don't have voices that genuinely have their good at heart, they listen to a bunch of voices. So they got a little bit of furtick, a little, you know, they want to be encouraging like furtick, but they want to preach like Jake's. They want to cast out demons like Pagani. They want to have a breaker anointing like Ryan Lestrange. They want to flow in the prophetic like Jennifer LeClaire. They want to be apostolic like John Eckhart. Like they try to find, they try to, they try to find themselves in, in the, uh, the expressions of the Christian, of the Christian faith because they have no one validating them. Okay, now watch this. Now watch this. So... Because no one, because no one is a real voice to them, whatever comes in their head becomes the voice of God for them. Let me say that again. When there is no tangible, real voice of someone speaking into you, this becomes your voice. So you have a Christian going like this. When the anointing comes, they start doing this. And then you're like, what the heck are you doing? I don't know, Spirit of God, it's, it's the Spirit of God. They're going like, they can't stop doing that. They can't stop doing that. And you're like, what the heck are you doing? It's God, it's God, it's God. Want to know why it's God? Because no one, because they don't know what God is saying. They don't know what God is saying. Let me tell you something. It's not easy to serve a God who's not speaking to you audibly every day. So you try, these believers try to find God in things that God is not in. So they'll see I'm seeing the number nine, 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 this, nine, that, nine, this, nine, this, nine, this. Oh, nine, nine, nine. Now, Spirit of God is speaking to me in nine. So now it's a mixture of apostolic zodiac. It's like apostolic horoscopes. Nine, 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 this, nine, this. Oh, my name has nine letters and nine, this, and nine, this. And I was born in the month of September. Nine, nine in my, I was born at nine, oh, nine. And then these become the voice of God for them. Because no one has been able to speak into them. And watch this. And when a person genuinely believes that this is the voice of God uh, for them, well, guess what? They'll, they'll get zealous in what they presuppose God is in, and God ain't even in it. So they'll say some of the most goofiest things in the name of the Lord, and you're like, where is that in Bible? And they're like, what? Okay. All right. Now, I'm not saying God don't move in nine. All right. But then tell me, what does nine mean? Nine don't mean everything to everybody. For me, nine means the number of the Holy Spirit. Because the nine gifts of the Spirit, nine food of the Spirit, 
a woman gives birth in nine months? Oh, wait a second. So watch this. I'm going to tell you how wacky it gets. So someone will say nine means birthing because a woman gives birth in nine months. But I thought eight means birthing because eight means new beginnings, new birthing. So which one is it? Nobody knows. So now nobody knows. Nobody knows. You see what I'm saying? Like nobody really knows. So now because these believers don't have a healthy, solid, uh, organic relationship with a tangible voice that's properly saying, hey, that, th that can help them discern what's going on. And that what's, uh, then what happens? They discern based on their self-esteem. Let me give you an example of how people do that all the time. Everybody ain't hating on you. Every pastor's not hindering your calling. Everything ain't a hater. Hater this, hater that. You know, hater, hater this, they're holding me down that. Where are you getting that stuff? You're getting that stuff from culture. You're getting that stuff from the, from, from, from your culture. That's minority. That's my, let me be honest with you. Let me be honest with you. That's black and Latino theology. Because if you look at these white apostles, they're not talking like that. I hater this, hater that, hater this. Only us Latinos and black talks like that in our, the, in our apostolic theology and only we talk like that. You want to know why? Because we are an oppressed people. That's where that stuff is coming from. Let me give you an example. Let me give you. Let me give you some. Let me give you some other examples. I remember one time, uh, my wife looked at me and was like, "Why do people keep prophesying uh, about how I'm struggling? I'm not struggling, Alex. You want to know why? Because everyone assumes that a first lady or the pastor's wife is struggling." Let me tell you something. Anybody and my spiritual sons are in the chat room. They could tell you my wife loves pastoring. She is not struggling as a first lady. My wife was on the phone yesterday from early morning to 10 o'clock at night with members of the church all day talking on the phone. My wife is a victorious Christian woman. And, but every time the prophets will come around, they would say things when she would travel, you know, or they will say things like this. God says, even though you're in the shadow of your husband, let me tell you something. My wife, my wife hates the pulpit. Um, or rather, let me rephrase that. My wife hates the limelight. My wife loves behind the scenes. My wife gets more done behind the scenes than me being in the front and on the mic and all the time. And the Lord says, even though you feel like your husband overshadows your ministry, that's not true. Like, where do they get that from? stuff? Where do they get that stuff from? Because no one has trained them on how to effectively, uh, prophesy from a place of the word of the Lord as opposed to your own biases. So you prophesy rejection because you reject it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, my wife is a beast, man. My wife, let me tell you something. My wife is the real pastor of my church. I'm a horrible pastor, man, because I ain't got no time to be dry these little tears. They cry pastor. Pastor, my boyfriend left me. I'll be like, I snap out of that, man. My wife be like, no, don't listen to the bearded guy. You come to mama. I'll talk to you and help you. I'll help you walk with you. My wife is a real pastor. She loved the job. That's an example. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, but what I have found is this. When a well-meaning believer, when a well-meaning believer has low self-esteem and hasn't had someone affirming them, they will affirm themselves. They will affirm themselves and watch this. After a while, these affirmations become the voice of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Uh, becomes the voice of the Lord uh, in their head. And after a while, when no one checks them about the voice in their head, 
they will begin to think that every voice that comes in their head is the Lord. Let me give you some examples of how I did that years ago. I remember one time, this is a true story. This is a true story. I went to go preach at 2 o'clock in the morning at Burger King, and there was a bunch of bloods in front of Burger King. I went over there talking about Jesus love you. They literally surrounded me and was about to jump me. I literally just heard a voice say, get up. I was so desperate to evangelize. I was so desperate to evangelize. And because my church at that time didn't really evangelize, I was so desperate to evangelize. I literally got up. I wasn't married at the time. I was living with my grandmother. I literally got up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I went to go preach in front of Burger King. Literally, I went to go preach in front of Burger King at like 2 a.m. My grandmother woke up and was like, where the heck you going? I was like, I didn't even tell her. I walked out. So watch this. I literally went to go preach 3 o'clock at 2. It had to be like 2 in the morning. I went to go preach. I'm preaching in front of Burger King. You know what I'm saying? I'm preaching in front of Burger King. Next thing I know, I got surrounded by all the gang members. They were smoking weed. And they were like, Jesus love me. Like, what? I started throwing my pearls among swine. They was about to jump me. This Spanish guy, this young Spanish guy, he was in the crowd. He literally go, no, 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 no. He, 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 one of those guys that go to like my, like one of my grandmother churches. My grandmother goes to a church like this. He, he's doing one of those, he's doing one of those, you know, what they do in those churches. He literally said this to my ear. You better get out of here because I don't know how long I can hold these guys off. You better go. He said it to me in Spanish. Tiene que, tiene que irte ahora. And I literally left. I literally walked away. When I went upstairs, the Holy Spirit convicted me. Well, first of all, when I walked in the house, my grandmother yelled at me. And when I laid down on my bed, I felt the Holy Spirit convict me and tell me, I did not send you to go do that. Why did you go do that? Let me give you another story. It's a true story. It's a true story. It's a true story. You know, on another time about evangelism, I took my grandmother with me. It's a true story. It was me, another brother from the church, and my grandmother. I finally got the church, you know, whatever. We went to church. It was a Saturday. I go out. I take my grandmother. And I'm with a megaphone, a mega a bullhorn preaching. I start yelling at the at the gang members. Y'all going to hell. You need to repent. And I started yelling, you know, whatever the case may be. It's a true story. One of the guys came across the street and put a pit bull on my grandmother, which means he stood in front of my grandmother with the pit bull and was doing like this in front of my grandmother. And I'm sitting there with a bullhorn preaching, you know. And watch this. The brother that was with me, he had just got saved. He literally said to me, Brother Alex, I'm about to knock this guy out because I'm not going to let this guy uh, uh, sick that pit bull on your grandmother. Like, this true story. This was in 1998. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and he's like, yo, I'm about to knock this guy out. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And then, um, did you catch it? Um, so I literally, so I'm preaching, I'm preaching, and the dude is about to sick the pit bull on my grandmother. So now the brother that was with me, he's not even evangelizing no more. He, he literally goes in front of my grandmother, and he's like this. So now we're about to get in a war for my zeal. We stop, because I saw the brother. I was like, okay, this guy's about to get street. You know what I'm saying? Let me, let me get out of here. You know what I'm saying? And I ended up going to the church. And I stopped and I was, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, uh, I didn't send you to go do that. Why do you keep doing that? Why do you keep, why do you keep going where I have not sent you? 
And I'm going to tell you why. It's because, this is a true story, it's because I had an orphan spirit. And I was, and let me tell you something, I was trying to do whatever I could do to show God how much I loved him. I was trying to be better than Jesus. I was trying to do better than what Jesus did on the cross. It's a true story. And the list can go on and on and on and on about the things that I did during the years that I thought were the right thing to do. And they were the sincerely wrong thing to do. They were sincere, but sincerely wrong. And I, and I could go, let me, let me give you one more. Let me give you another story. I could, I got so many stories. I got so many stories. I got crazy stories. Let me tell you how much I loved God. One day I was eating a bubblegum wrapper, ate the bubblegum wrapper and the bubblegum wrapper flew out my hand. I chased that wrapper down the street until I found it to throw it in the garbage because I was afraid the Lord would take my anointing because of sin. That's how bad I was. True story. Let me give you another one. I used to do a lot of prayer shawls. I was a prayer shawl guy. I used to rock prayer shawls, you know, do my prayer shawls, you know, listen to Jewish, Jewish Christian music. Nothing wrong with that. But I had the big prayer shawl, big one. The one that you could put your whole body in. I used to open it up in the middle of my living room. I used to sit inside and pray. And one day the Holy Spirit came to my house and asked me this question. He said, do you really think I listen to you more because you're praying sitting inside that? I was going to say yes. I literally was going to say yes. Listen, and I couldn't say anything. I, I, I literally couldn't say anything. So I, I didn't know what to say. So I folded it up and I threw it away. That's a true story. Well, I didn't throw it away that day because I was scared. If I threw away a prayer shawl, you go to hell. But I, eventually I threw it away. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't until I began to study the grace of God that's found in the love of God, in the work that he did on the cross for me, that I began to enter into what Hebrews chapter four says, his Sabbath or the place of his rest, where I began to rest with, you know what? I don't need to be zealous. And then when I began to realize I need to get under a proper covering. You're know saying the proper covering and understanding the need for receiving validation from my superiors in the Lord that I began to get delivered from, from my own, my own Talmud. Oh, you missed what I just said. You missed what I just said. I got delivered from my own personal Talmud. Let me say that again. Let me tell you something. I was one of those Christians that I observed Jewish holidays. I, I did that stuff. You know, I, I wasn't like a Jewish believer, but I observe it. And then I read, and I'm going to tell you the true story when I got delivered from following these Jews. Now I don't follow none of those Jewish stuff. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't feel that like I get more spiritual if I say Jah hyphen a God, G hyphen D. He know, I call him Abba. Y'all call him, you keep calling him God, Jah, Yahweh, Yehoshua, Adonai, Hamashiach, Joshua, Yahoshua, Yahshua, whatever, man. I call him Abba. I call him Abba. 
I'm good with that. I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm good with that. You know, I don't care if it's the year of the mouth. That stuff don't bother me. Like, And then I, one day I'm reading Acts chapter 15. And James, the brother of Jesus, gets up and says, gets up and says, my brethren, let us not put the Gentiles in any more burden that we ourselves, the Jews, couldn't obey. Nevertheless, give them these four rules. Number one, abstain from idolatry because they love to worship them idols. Number two, don't drink with food uh, with still blood in it, which means the Gentiles didn't have proper hygienics in cooking. They were still hunter-gatherer. Well, basically, James is saying no more hunter-gathering, which means kill the, kill, the, kill the sheep and just eating it while it's blood in it. He said, basically, see, tell them to properly cook their food. Then he said, um, tell them uh, to uh, not fornicate, not fornicate. And number four, make sure that they give to the poor. That's it. Only four things we as Gentiles are supposed to do. So I don't understand how in my early days I got caught up with being a Christian, rocking prayer shawls, you know, uh, observing Jewish holidays, Rosh Hashanah. Why? When James says we don't have to, and Paul says we don't have to. Okay, you want to know why we do it? Oh, you're you going to get mad. <laughs> you want to know why you do it? Because nobody's affirmed you. Nobody has validated you and told you, listen, man, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places right now. Your worth is based on who you are, not on what you do. We say things like, by grace am I saved through faith. Oh, that's good Christian orthodoxy. That's good Christian orthodoxy. You know what I'm saying? That don't mean anything. How do you feel inside? How do you feel here and here? When you Watch this. Black letters on a white page does not affirm you. They're just truth. That's logos. When a Christian is deficient of someone in their life, spiritual father or relationship with their pastor or pastors, it doesn't have to be with both of them. When a Christian is deficient of someone validating them, the orphan spirit of validating yourself goes away. And you find that you don't have to find your worth in celebrating Rosh Hashanah last week. Let me tell you something. How do you feel inside? Not about what you believe doctrinally. Why would you celebrate Rosh Hashanah last week? Oh, I just want to honor God. Jesus said, this is how you honor God. Believe in the one he sent. Can you believe that the Jews were still asking Jesus, how can we believe in God? What does God want, demand of us? This is what God demands. Believe in the one he sent. I don't know what it is about us people that were never satisfied with what he did on that cross. So, so we, we keep adding stuff. And, and us fivefold people, we do it too. They don't receive my office as a prophet. There we go again. You know, it seeps over into all of these other areas and it contaminates our cup. Let me tell you something, one drop of an orphan spirit contaminates your cup full of grace. So guess what? Because no one validates you and supports you. Number one, you think everybody's anti you. That's why you're loud. You want to know why you, you're loud? Because you want to be heard. Let me tell you something. I've been saved since 1992. The most effective ministers are those who have, a, who have had healthy relationships in their Christian experience. 
So because no one has validated you, you talk loud on your Facebook. Because no one has affirmed you, you keep saying things on your, the way you minister is mixed with you throwing in your, your affirmation in there. Can't you just give the word of the Lord without validating yourself before you say it? Did you catch it? Or God says, I, all I need is 10. You're going to give God 150. God says, uh, just give me 60. You give him 90. And God is like, why? God says, just collect enough manna for today. Why are you collecting all this? Why are you doing all this extra manna stuff? And that's why nobody receives it because it's wormy. It's full of worms, you know? And then watch this. And then when somebody gives a word like this about Acts chapter 15, we start getting into it. That's not what I mean about the, that's not what I mean about the pressure. Yes, that is what you mean about that. Watch this. Uh, get rid of your pressure. You can't do it. You want to know why? Because your identity is in a piece of cloth. Because no one has made, no, let me as an, as an apostle for deliverance, at least, let me affirm you. You have worth. Let me, let me, let me confirm you. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You don't have to do, you don't have to do extra. Let me, let me boost your self-esteem. I hear you. You don't have to yell. I see you. You don't have to be extra. I see you. Meaning I see you as a person. You don't have to be extra for me to see you. I see you. See? You don't have to. I see you. I'm talking about Pagani. I, I see you. See? You don't have to be loud, talking in all caps. That's just what I, that's, I'm just trying, I, you know, I'm just excited. Calm down. You don't have to be excited. Stop worshiping your excitement. Stop worshiping your zeal. I'm going to be on fire for God. You're worshiping your fire. Let me say that again. Stop worshiping your fire. Stop worship. Stop bowing down to the idol of being radical. You have an idol in your life and it's called radical for Christ. Why? Why? Why do you want to be radical for Christ? Why? Give me a reason why. Because I got to be radical for Christ. You don't have to be. He already did it for you. Did you catch what I just said? Stop bowing down before, stop sacrificing your pure sacrifice at the altar of, I'm a show God. You don't have to. For there was one sacrifice that was done on the cross and it was sufficient. It is finished. What are you doing? You want to know why? What? You know? I keep seeing five, 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 five. I see five everywhere. Five everywhere. Five. Oh, look at it. Five this. Five this. Oh, they gave me five pieces. Of, they gave me five french fries. They gave me five this. They gave me five this. I think God is speaking to me. I keep seeing five everywhere. That's Christian horoscope. You want to know why? You have to, you want to know, you want to know why you keep seeing five and nine and everywhere? It's because you're not, you're not used to hearing a voice saying, you are my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Lord, if this is you, show me five, show me two, show me two, show me three, show me three, show me three. Lord, give me odd numbers, three, five, seven. You don't have to do that. You don't have to. No. For as many as received him to them, he gave them the right to be children of God. Watch this. Did you catch what I just said? Oh, don't play with me, man. 
get delivered from worshiping biblical numbers. Nothing wrong with biblical numbers, but which numbers are we following? What does nine mean to you? What nine means to you might not mean nine, might nine mean to me. You know, what if you keep seeing negative numbers? God is telling you negative. Let me tell you something. God could speak to you without a number. Want to know why he could speak to you? Because you're his son. You're his daughter. Why would God leave his voice to Christian Urim and Thummim, or a.k.a. Christian cast, Christian dice? You throw it out there and you snap your finger. Six, six. Oh, it came out six. I'm looking for seven, seven, seven. They're telling people, blow my hand. Blow my hand on the Holy Ghost. Blow my hand. Tell you, babe, come here. Blow my hand. You come here. Tap my hand. Tap it. Tap it. Okay. Four. Four. It came out. What does four mean? Four means that God will come down and talk to you. Romans chapter eight says, we have the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I want to encourage you. I was you years ago. I got delivered from that. I got delivered from that. I broke that. It's not a, it's not witchcraft. It's an orphan spirit. It's orphan spirit. It's abandonment. You spent your whole life alone and now you're Christian and it's like you're still alone. So you've able to make it happen. Why do you still got to take and snatch and step on the devil when Jesus already gave it to you? Why do you got to do that? I don't have to take something that's free. I have rights. I have rights in the kingdom. I seek first the kingdom. All these things are added. You want to know why I'm living an added life? Because kingdom is first. Kingdom is first. I have rights. It's an orphan spirit, y'all. It's an orphan spirit. You don't think it is, but it is an orphan spirit. Let me give you an example. Let me give you how an orphan spirit manifests during deliverance. And then I'm out of here, guys. And I'll take some questions. Look at this. Look at this. If I'm leading you through a prayer of deliverance and I say, repeat after me, Lord Jesus. And you go, Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord, I love you with all of my heart. Lord, Lord I love you with all of my strength. You're being extra. You're being extra. That's not what I told you to say. That's disobedience. You want to know why you don't feel it's disobedience? Because an orphan spirit is right in their own eyes. Let me say it again. If I'm praying for you, if I'm praying, if I'm saying, repeat after me, and I'm leading you through a prayer of deliverance, instruction is everything. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, uh, I receive your deliverance now. Lord, I receive your deliverance that was shed on the cross for me. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing it? You want to know why you're doing that? Because you've been doing that. You want to know why you've been doing that? Because nobody's ever told you to stop doing that. No one's ever told you to stop. So we telling you, to, my brother, say after me. And you're saying your own prayer. You're saying your own prayer. Repeat after me. And then you go off into tongues. And then now we can't even finish the prayer. Because now you're like. Baby, calm down. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Because you're overzealous. And you haven't rested in the Sabbath of the Lord. For prophets. This is how you know you got an orphan spirit. Because you feel you can't go home without giving that word. Let me tell you something, prophet. There are moments the, the word of the Lord will come to you, but your spirit that is subject to the prophets will say, not here, not right now. I'll call them later, not in front of all these people. No, if you're one of those, I'm going to say whatever God say. I don't care who watch it. You overzealous, baby. You got an orphan spirit on you. Yes, you do.
Yes, you do. And and what makes it worse, you threw a prayer shawl right after that. You like, put your hoodie on. You know, I'm here to tell you, I see you. You don't have to impress me. I see you for you. Talking about this is me talking to you, my friends. I see you. I hear you. I hear you. I affirm you. You're anointed. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality and power. You're complete in him, lacking nothing. Colossians chapter 2. See? What's the end byproduct of an orphan spirit? Is you're going to be saying stuff that the Lord didn't say, but you really felt him say it. That's like you telling me, Robo Shindo. The Lord says, I'm going to find you a wife. I've been married on going 23 years. Christians do that all the time. I'm just feeling something. You know, I'm feeling something. You know, you know, they get these Pentecostal moves. Nothing wrong with that. If that do you, do you. I feel it. I feel it. Lord said, I'm going to find you the one. I've been married to the one for 23 years. What, what do you mean by one? I don't know, my brother. That's what I felt in my heart to say, you know? And then, you know, and then, and then if we check you on it, you're like, I got to leave this fellowship. They don't embrace my calling. No, baby. No, we're testing the spirit. First John chapter four, verse one. We're not against you. We're not against your word of the Lord. We're just saying, how does that apply? What does that even mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? I don't know what it means, but that's what the Lord put on my heart to tell you. You know, this is on my spirit. Okay, he's on your spirit. All right. You know, and don't even let me get started on how we prophesy based on culture and the culture is the rhythm. You know, I'm going to leave that one alone because we do prophesy our method is based on culture. Well, I'm going to leave that one alone. My friends, rest in rest. I'm going to give you some chapters. You go read them. Ephesians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, Romans chapter 8, 1 John chapter 4, and 1 John chapter 2, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. These are all verses, Hebrews chapter 4 too, love Hebrews, especially Hebrews chapter 4. Start with Hebrews chapter 4. Um, John chapter 1, John chapter 1 is good too. As many as received him, he gave the right to be called the children of God. See, oh, and Romans chapter 8 deals with the orphan spirit. Or in Romans chapter 11 talks about being overzealous. Also read Colossians chapter 2 and get delivered from your Jewish stuff. Get rid of your prayer shawl. Stop doing that. All right? Colossians chapter 2 talks about, go read Colossians chapter 2 and get delivered from your prayer shawls. All right? How long have I been talking? 45 minutes, 50 minutes, 45 minutes because I, I waited 5 minutes. Okay, yeah, 45 minutes we've been talking. The next 15 minutes... I want to leave it open for questions and whatever is on your heart and on your mind. Throw it in the chat room. Try your best to keep it within topic. Okay, guys. Uh, I got to get out of here in a few moments. I got to do my afternoon workout. All right. You guys know I'm on a health buff right now. All right. All right. Get, okay. So I see the first question coming. How do you get delivered? If, get deliverance. Get deliverance. You need deliverance. And you need to detox from religion and do a, do a thorough, here's, here's for the, the person that's asking, how do you get delivered uh, from an orphan spirit? Very simple. I want you to do a biblical word search from the word, uh, on the word grace, King James Version throughout the whole Bible and study each of those verses. Okay. 
No matter how long it takes. If it takes you a year to do that, do it. <laughs> All right. All right. Amen. Amen. And a and amen. I'm out, guys. Love you. You have gifts. God expects you to use them. If you need training to school your gift, log on to schoolofthespirit.tv. You'll find training in spiritual warfare, prophetic ministry, prayer, seer's ministry, writing, and so much more. Go to schoolofthespirit.tv today. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.